chapter two part one of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two part one preparations for another campaign proceedings in the parliament of great britain conciliatory conduct of general carleton transactions in the south negotiations for peace preliminary and eventual articles agreed upon between the united states and great britain discontents of the american army peace mutiny of a part of the pennsylvania line evacuation of new york general washington resigns his commission and retires to mount vernon seventeen eighty two preparations for another campaign the splendid success of the allied arms in virginia and the great advantages obtained still farther south produced no disposition in general washington to relax those exertions which might be necessary to secure the great object of the contest i shall attempt to stimulate congress said he in a letter to general green written at mount vernon to the best improvement of our late success by taking the most vigorous and effectual measures to be ready for an early and decisive campaign the next year my greatest fear is that viewing this stroke in a point of light which may too much magnify its importance they may think our work too nearly closed and fall into a state of languor and relaxation to prevent this error i shall employ every means in my power and if unhappily we sink into this fatal mistake no part of the blame shall be mine on the twenty seventh of november he reached philadelphia and congress passed a resolution granting him an audience on the succeeding day on his appearance the president addressed him in a short speech informing him that a committee was appointed to state the requisitions to be made for the proper establishment of the army and expressing the expectation that he would remain in philadelphia in order to aid the consultations on that important subject the secretary of war the financier and the secretary of foreign affairs assisted at these deliberations and the business was concluded with unusual celerity a revenue was scarcely less necessary than an army and it was obvious that the means for carrying on the war must be obtained either by impressment or by a vigorous course of taxation but both these alternatives depended on the states and the government of the union resorted to the influence of the commander-in-chief in aid of its requisitions but no exertions on the part of america alone could expel the invading army a superiority at sea was indispensable to the success of offensive operations against the posts which the british still held within the united states to obtain this superiority general washington pressed its importance to the minister of france and commanding officers of the french troops as well as on the marquis de lafayette who was about to return to his native country proceedings in the british parliament the first intelligence from europe was far from being calculated to diminish the anxieties still felt in america by the enlightened friends of the revolution the parliament of great britain reassembled in november the speech from the throne breathed a settled purpose to continue the war and the addresses from both houses which were carried by large majorities echoed the sentiment in the course of the animated debates which these addresses occasioned an intention was indeed avowed by some members of the administration to change their system the plan indicated for the future was to direct the whole force of the nation against france and spain and to suspend offensive operations in the interior 
of the united states until the strength of those powers should be broken in the meantime the posts then occupied by their troops were to be maintained this development of the views of administration furnished additional motives to the american government for exerting all the faculties of the nation to expel the british garrisons from new york and charleston the efforts of the commander-in-chief to produce these exertions were earnest and unremitting but not successful the state legislatures declared the inability of their constituents to pay taxes instead of filling the continental treasury some were devising means to draw money from it and some of those who passed bills imposing heavy taxes directed that the demands of the state should be first satisfied and that the residue only should be paid to the continental receiver by the unwearied attention and judicious arrangements of the minister of finance the expenses of the nation have been greatly reduced the bank established in philadelphia and his own high character had enabled him to support in some degree a system of credit the advantages of which were incalculably great he had through the chevalier de la luzerne obtained permission from his most christian majesty to draw for half a million of livres monthly until six millions should be received to prevent the diversion of any part of this sum from the most essential objects he had concealed the negotiation even from congress and had communicated it only to the commander-in-chief yet after receiving the first instalment it was discovered that dr franklin had anticipated the residue of the loan and had appropriated it to the purposes of the united states at the commencement of the year seventeen eighty two not a dollar remained in the treasury and although congress had required the payment of two millions on the first of april not a cent had been received on the twenty-third of that month and so late as the first of june not more than twenty thousand dollars had reached the treasury yet to the financier every eye was turned to him the empty hand of every public creditor was stretched forth and against him instead of the state governments the complaints and imprecations of every unsatisfied claimant were directed in july when the second quarter annual payment of taxes ought to have been received the minister of finance was informed by some of his agents that the collection of the revenue had been postponed in some of the states in consequence of which the month of december would arrive before any money could come into the hands of the continental receivers in a letter communicating this unpleasant intelligence to the commander-in-chief he added with such gloomy prospects as this letter affords i am tied here to be baited by continual clamorous demands and for the forfeiture of all that is valuable in life and which i hoped at this moment to enjoy i am to be paid by invective scarce a day passes in which i am not tempted to give back into the hands of congress the power they have delegated and to lay down a burden which presses me to the earth nothing prevents me but a knowledge of the difficulties i am obliged to struggle under what may be the success of my efforts god only knows but to leave my post at present would i know be ruinous this candid state of my situation and feelings i give to your bosom because you who have already felt and suffered so much will be able to sympathize with me livingston manor dobbs ferry new york a monument erected by the sons of the revolution on the lawn of this historic mansion overlooking the hudson river states that here on july sixth seventeen eighty one the french allies under rochambeau joined the american army here also on august fourteenth seventeen eighty one washington planned the yorktown campaign which brought to a triumphant end the war for american independence and here on may sixth seventeen eighty three washington and sir 
guy carleton arranged for the evacuation of american soil by the british a concluding paragraph reads and opposite this point may eighth seventeen eighty three a british sloop of war fired seventeen guns in honor of the american commander-in-chief the first salute by great britain to the united states of america fortunately for the united states the temper of the british nation on the subject of continuing the war did not accord with that of its sovereign that war into which the people had entered with at least as much eagerness as the minister had become almost universally unpopular february twenty seven motions against the measures of administration respecting america were repeated by the opposition and on every experiment the strength of the minority increased at length on the twenty seventh of february general conway moved in the house of commons that it is the opinion of this house that a farther prosecution of offensive war against america would under present circumstances be the means of weakening the efforts of this country against her european enemies and tend to increase the mutual enmity so fatal to the interests both of great britain and america the whole force of administration was exerted to get rid of this resolution but was exerted in vain and it was carried and addressed to the king in the words of the resolution was immediately voted and was presented by the whole house march four the answer of the crown being deemed inexplicit it was on the fourth of march resolved that the house will consider as enemies to his majesty and the country all those who should advise or attempt a farther prosecution of offensive war on the continent of north america these votes were soon followed by a change of ministers and by instructions to the officers commanding the forces in america which conformed to them while general washington was employed in addressing circular letters to the state governments suggesting all those motives which might stimulate them to exertions better proportioned to the exigency english papers containing the debates in parliament on the various propositions respecting america reached the united states alarmed at the impression these debates might make he introduced the opinions it was deemed prudent to inculcate respecting them into the letters he was then about to transmit to the governors of the several states i peruse these debates he said with great attention and care with a view if possible to penetrate their real design and upon the most mature deliberation i can bestow i am obliged to declare it as my candid opinion that the measure in all its views so far as it respects america is merely delusory having no serious intention to admit our independence upon its true principles but is calculated to produce a change of ministers to quiet the minds of their own people and to reconcile them to a continuance of the war while it is meant to amuse this country with a false idea of peace to draw us from our connection with france and to lull us into a state of security and inactivity which taking place the ministry will be left to prosecute the war in other parts of the world with greater vigor and effect your excellency will permit me on this occasion to observe that even if the nation and parliament are really in earnest to obtain peace with america it will undoubtedly be wisdom in us to meet with them with great caution and circumspection and by all means to keep our arms firm in our hands and instead of relaxing one iota in our exertions rather to spring forward with redoubled vigor that we may take the advantage of every favorable opportunity until our wishes are fully obtained no nation yet suffered in treaty by preparing even in the moment of negotiation most vigorously for the field the industry which the enemy is using to propagate their pacific reports appears to me a circumstance very suspicious and the eagerness with which the people as i am informed are catching at them is in my opinion equally dangerous may conciliatory conduct of general carleton 
early in may sir guy carleton who had succeeded sir henry clinton in the command of all the british forces in the united states arrived at new york having been also appointed in conjunction with admiral digby a commissioner to negotiate a peace he lost no time in conveying to general washington copies of the votes of the british parliament and of a bill which had been introduced on the part of administration authorizing his majesty to conclude a peace or truce with those who were still denominated the revolted colonies of north america these papers he said would manifest the disposition prevailing with the government and people of england towards those of america and if the like pacific temper should prevail in this country both inclination and duty would lead him to meet it with the most zealous concurrence he had addressed to congress he said a letter containing the same communications and he solicited a passport for the person who should convey it at this time the bill enabling the british monarch to conclude a peace or truce with america had not become a law nor was any assurance given that the present commissioners were empowered to offer other terms than those which had been formally rejected general carleton therefore could not hope that negotiations would commence on such a basis nor be disappointed at the refusal of the passports he requested by congress to whom the application was of course referred the letter may have been written for the general purpose of conciliation and of producing a disposition in the united states on the subject of hostilities corresponding with that which had been expressed in the house of commons but the situation of the united states justified a suspicion of different motives and prudence required that their conduct should be influenced by that suspicion the repugnance of the king to dismemberment of the empire was understood and it was thought probable that the sentiments expressed in the house of commons might be attributable rather to a desire of changing ministers than to any fixed determination to relinquish the design of re-annexing america to the crown under these impressions the overtures now made were considered as opiates administered to lull the spirit of vigilance which the guardians of the public safety laboured to keep up into a state of fatal repose and to prevent those measures of security which it might yet be necessary to adopt this jealousy was nourished by all the intelligence received from europe the utmost address of the british cabinet had been employed to detach the belligerents from each other the mediation of russia had been accepted to procure a separate peace with holland propositions had been submitted both to france and spain tending to an accommodation of differences with each of those powers singly and inquiries had been made of mr adams the american minister at the hague which seemed to contemplate the same object with regard to the united states these political manoeuvres furnished additional motives for doubting the sincerity of the english cabinet whatever views might actuate the court of st james on this subject the resolution of the american government to make no separate treaty was unalterable but the public votes which had been stated and probably his private instructions restrained sir guy carleton from offensive war and the state of the american army disabled general washington from making any attempt on the posts and possession of the british the campaign of seventeen eighty two consequently passed away without furnishing any military operations of moment between the armies under the immediate direction of the respective commanders-in-chief august negotiations for peace early in august a letter was received by general washington from sir guy carleton and admiral digby which among other communications manifesting a pacific disposition on the part of england contained the information that mr grenville was at paris invested with full powers to treat with all the parties at war that negotiations for a general peace were already commenced and that his majesty had commanded his minister to direct 
mr grenville that the independence of the thirteen provinces should be proposed by him in the first instance instead of being made a condition of a general treaty but that this proposition would be made in the confidence that the loyalists would be restored to their possessions or a full compensation made them for whatever confiscations might have taken place this letter was not long afterwards followed by one from sir guy carleton declaring that he could discern no further object of contest and that he disapproved of all farther hostilities by sea or land which could only multiply the miseries of individuals without a possible advantage to either nation in pursuance of this opinion he had soon after his arrival in new york restrained the practice of detaching parties of indians against the frontiers of the united states and had recalled those which were previously engaged in those bloody incursions these communications appear to have alarmed the jealousy of the minister of france to quiet his fears congress renewed the resolution to enter into no discussion of any overtures for pacification but in confidence and in concert with his most christian majesty and again recommend to the several states to adopt such measures as would most effectually guard against all intercourse with any subjects of the british crown during the war the same causes which produced this inactivity in the north operated to a considerable extent with the armies of the south when general wayne entered georgia the british troops in that state retired to the town of savannah and the americans advanced to ebenezer though inferior to their enemy in numbers they interrupted his communications with the country and even burned some magazines which had been collected and deposited under the protection of his guns not receiving the aids from the militia which he had expected wayne pressed green for reinforcements which that officer was unable to furnish until lieutenant colonel posey arrived from virginia with about two hundred men he proceeded immediately to georgia and reached the camp at ebenezer on the first of april these troops though new levies were veteran soldiers who having served the times for which they enlisted had become the substitutes of men who were designated by lot for tours of duty they were unwilling to perform being commanded by old officers of approved courage and experience the utmost confidence was to be placed in them and wayne though still inferior to his enemy in numbers sought for opportunities to employ them the indians who occupied the southern and western parts of georgia were in the habit of assembling annually at augusta for the purpose of receiving those presents which were indispensable to the preservation of british influence over them the usual time for holding these meetings was arrived but the americans being in possession of augusta it was necessary to transfer them to a british post and the indians were invited to keep down the south side of the altamaha to its mouth whence they were to be conveyed through the inland passage to savannah arrangements had been made for bringing a strong party of creeks and choctaws assembled on the south side of altamaha to harris's bridge and on the ogechee about seven miles from that town and colonel brown marched at the head of a strong detachment to convoy them into it the indians having quarrelled instead of proceeding to ogechee returned home and brown marched back his detachment wayne received intelligence of this movement and determining to avail himself of the opportunity given by this division of his enemy to fight him in detail immediately put his army in motion he was soon informed that brown was on his return and would reach savannah that night disregarding the danger of throwing himself with inferior numbers between the two divisions of the british army he determined on hazarding an action and his advance consisting of a troop of virginia cavalry commanded by captain hughes and lieutenant boyer and a light company of virginia infantry commanded by captain parker 
entered the road along which brown was marching about twelve at night just as his front appeared in view a vigorous charge was instantly made which being entirely unexpected was completely successful the british struck with a panic dispersed among the thickets and fled in all directions colonel douglas and about forty men were killed wounded or taken the american loss was five men killed and two wounded the next day after parading in view of savannah wayne resumed his position at ebenezer the resolution of parliament against the farther prosecution of active war in america was followed by instructions to the officers commanding the armies of britain in consequence of which propositions for the suspension of hostilities were made in the southern department about the time that they were rejected in the north the same motives continuing to influence congress they were rejected in the south also and the army still continued to watch each other with vigilance to avoid surprise wayne frequently changed his ground and was continually on the alert while his whole attention was directed towards savannah an enemy entirely unlooked for came upon his rear entered his camp in the night and had not his army been composed of the best materials must have dispersed it a strong party of creeks led by a gallant warrior amestasigo or Sego, instead of moving down on the south side of the alta maha passed through the centre of georgia with the determination of engaging the american posts marching entirely in the night through unfrequented ways subsisting on meal made of parched corn and guided by white men they reached the neighbourhood of the american army then encamped at gibbon's plantation near savannah without being perceived and made arrangements to attack it in the night they emerged from the deep swamp in which they had been concealed and approaching the rear of the american camp with the utmost secrecy reached it about three in the morning the sentinel was killed before he could sound the alarm and the first notice was given by the fire and the yell of the enemy the indians rushed into the camp and killing the few men they fell in with seized the artillery fortunately some time was wasted in the attempt to turn the pieces on the americans captain parker who commanded the light company had been employed on a very fatiguing tour of duty near savannah and had returned that evening to camp to allow his harassed soldiers some repose he was placed in the rear near the artillery and was asleep when the indians entered the camp roused by the fire and perceiving that the enemy was amidst them he judiciously drew off his men in silence and formed them with the quarter guard behind the house in which the general was quartered wayne was instantly on horseback and believing the whole garrison from savannah to be upon him determined to repulse the enemy or die in the attempt parker was directed to charge immediately with the bayonet and orders were dispatched to posey the commanding officer in camp to bring up the troops without delay the orders to parker were so promptly executed that posey although he moved with the utmost celerity could not reach the scene of action in time to join in it the light troops and quarter guard under parker drove everything before them at the point of the bayonet the indians unable to resist the bayonet soon fled leaving their chief his white guides and seventeen of his warriors dead upon the spot wayne who accompanied his light troops now first discovered the character of his enemy and adapted his pursuit to it yet only twelve prisoners were made the general's horse was shot under him and twelve privates were killed and wounded this sharp conflict terminated the war in georgia information was soon given of the determination to withdraw the british troops from savannah and arrangements being made with the sanction of the civil government for the security of such individuals as might remain in town the place was evacuated the regular troops retired to charleston and colonel brown conducted his loyalists through the islands into florida wayne was directed to rejoin general green in south carolina the american army maintained its position in front of jacksonboro and that of the british was confined to charleston and its immediate vicinity the situation of the ground as well as the condition of his army was unfavorable to offensive operations on the part of general green and general leslie commanded in charleston was not strong enough to attempt the recovery of the lower country 
while the two armies continued to watch each other occasional enterprises were undertaken by detachments in some of which a considerable degree of merit was displayed in one of them the corps of marion its general being attending in the legislature was surprised and dispersed by the british colonel thompson and in another an english guard galley mounting twelve guns and manned with forty-three seamen was captured by captain rudolph of the legion from the possession of the lower country of south carolina which was known to contain considerable quantities of rice and beef cattle the army had anticipated more regular and more abundant supplies of food than it had been accustomed to receive this hope was disappointed by the measures of the government the generals and other agents acting under the authority of congress had been accustomed in extreme cases which too frequently occurred to seize provisions for the use of the armies this questionable power had been exercised with forbearance most commonly in concert with the government of the state and under the pressure of such obvious necessity as carried its justification with it the war being transferred to the south at a time when the depreciation of paper money had deprived congress of its only fund it became indispensably necessary to resort more generally to coercive means in order to procure subsistence for the troops popular discontent was the natural consequence of this odious measure and the feelings of the people were communicated to their representatives after the termination of the very active campaign of seventeen eighty one in virginia the legislature of that state passed a law prohibiting all impressment unless it be by warrant from the executive in time of actual invasion in the assembly of south carolina during the session at jacksonboro also passed a law forbidding impressment and enacting that no other persons than those who shall be appointed by the governor for that purpose shall be allowed or permitted to procure supplies for the army the effect of this measure was soon felt the exertions of the agent appointed by the governor failed to procure subsistence for the troops and general green after a long course of suffering was compelled to relieve his urgent wants by an occasional recurrence to means forbidden by the law privations which had been borne without a murmur under the excitement of active military operations produced great irritation during the leisure which prevailed after the enemy had abandoned the open field in the pennsylvania line which was composed chiefly of foreigners the discontent was aggravated to such a point as to produce a treasonable intercourse with the enemy in which a plot is understood to have been laid for seizing general green and delivering him to a detachment of british troops which would move out of charleston for the purpose of favouring the execution of the design it was discovered when it is supposed to have been on the point of execution and a sergeant gournel believed to be the chief of the conspiracy was condemned to death by a court-martial and executed on the twenty second of april some others among whom were two domestics in that general's family were brought before the court on suspicion of being concerned in the plot but the testimony was not sufficient to convict them and twelve deserted the night after it was discovered there is no reason to believe that the actual guilt of this transaction extended farther july eleven charleston was held until the fourteenth of december previous to its evacuation general leslie had proposed a cessation of hostilities and that his troops might be supplied with fresh provisions in exchange for articles of the last necessity in the american camp the policy of government being adverse to this proposition general green was under the necessity of refusing his assent to it and the british general continued to supply his wants by force this produced several skirmishes with foraging parties to one of which importance was given by the death of lieutenant colonel lawrence whose loss was universally lamented this gallant and accomplished young gentleman had entered into the family of the commander-in-chief at an early period of the war and had always shared a large portion of his esteem brave to excess he sought every occasion to render service to his country and to acquire that military fame which he pursued with the ardour of a young soldier whose courage seems to have partaken largely of that romantic spirit which youth 
and enthusiasm produced in a fearless mind no small addition to the regrets occasioned by his loss was derived from the reflection that he fell unnecessarily in an unimportant skirmish in the last moments of the war when his rash exposure to the danger which proved fatal to him could no longer be useful to his country from the arrival of sir guy carleton at new york the conduct of the british armies on the american continent was regulated by the spirit then recently displayed in the house of commons and all the sentiments expressed by their general were pacific and conciliatory but to these nattering appearances it was dangerous to yield implicit confidence with a change of men a change of measures might also take place and in addition to the ordinary suggestions of prudence the military events in the west indies were calculated to keep alive the attention and to continue the anxieties of the united states after the surrender of lord cornwallis the arms of france and spain and the american seas had been attended with such signal success that the hope of annihilating the power of great britain in the west indies was not too extravagant to be indulged immense preparations had been made for the invasion of jamaica and early in april admiral count de grasse sailed from martinique with a powerful fleet having on board the land forces and artillery which were to be employed in the operations against that island his intention was to form a junction with the spanish admiral don solano who lay at hispaniola after which the combined fleet whose superiority promised to render it irresistible was to proceed on the important enterprise which had been concerted End of chapter two part one